Amen. How many people are ready for a word today? So we are in a series, as you probably know right now, called The Supernatural Works of the Church. And what we've been doing is going through each week and really looking at some of the things that Jesus, uh, sort of itemizing things that Jesus has tasked us with, commissioned us with, as the church, the body of Christ, to contend and continue doing, we believe, throughout all of the ages until Jesus returns. These are works that we've been supernaturally empowered to carry out by the anointing of His Holy Spirit. They're impossible to do in natural strength or in fleshly abilities. But when carried out, when the church is functioning this way, when we are individually functioning this way, then we are able to live in a place that is the fullness of freedom that Jesus wants us to have. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? And so there's this fullness of freedom that we're able to experience, but a lot of times people will uh, get saved, get born again, but then they'll struggle through their whole earthly life in a limited form or marginalized form of freedom that is not what Jesus intends for us to have. And so when we really contend for supernatural works of the church, what we see is powers of darkness broken off of people's lives, broken off of households, broken off of communities, and broken off of generations. This is not exaggerative language that sounds really good, that's hype. We believe that supernatural works of the church are things that we contend for, but we're not trying to force. There are people today that would say, uh, when you preach on those things or you operate in those things, it's just an over-sensationalized emotional experience. I recognize that is a view that some take. We believe that when Jesus said to do these things, he intended for us to continue doing these things in a pure and healthy way until he comes back for his bride. So that's our view here at Life Church X, all right? Um, and so today we're going to be on part four. I'm kind of sad we're winding down. We've got one more after today, and then the series will wrap up and we'll move on to some new things. But I've, been, I've really been enjoying this time that we're in. And so let's go to Mark 16. We've opened every week in these particular passages. This is Mark's account of what we call the Great Commission, Jesus' final moments with his disciples before he ascends back to the right hand of the Father in heaven. This is where the tasking or the commissioning is being given. This is where we're pulling all of the different things that we recognize as supernatural works Jesus asks us to carry out. We also have said that you know, Mark has a view, an account of this, Luke has an account of this, Matthew has an account of this, and we have to look at all three of the synoptic gospels to really overlay them together and get the full picture. So we're going to do something a little different today because of the subject matter. We're going to start in Mark, read these verses, but then we're going to go to Matthew today and read his account because that's where we're going to spring out of on this particular message. But let's start Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So in these verses, we had evangelism. We have deliverance or casting out demons. We have healing. We see physical and inner healing happening here through these verses. And we also have praying in new tongues or praying in the Holy Spirit, a prayer language. Verse 19, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And then they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. I just want you to see that. Amen. Now let's jump over to Matthew 28. And we will read verses 18 through 20. Same account, right? Same event, just Matthew's version of this now. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even to the end of the age. So there's a lot of language there that we see that really suggests this was commissioned and this is continuing until Jesus comes back at the end of the church era. But um, today we're digging into uh, part four of discipleship. And so I want you to think about this to start. What What is a disciple? What is a disciple? Some, I just heard somebody say a follower, and that's, that's a great definition. In fact, the, the, the biblical definition, if we read in Strong's of disciple, the noun version of that would be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Now go with me on a journey a little bit today because I want you to think about this. A committed follower of Jesus Christ is someone who believes not only in the teachings of the one they follow, but they actually practice and adhere to them. Does that make sense? And what's interesting is in our world today, you would probably see a lot of discrepancy in that, where there are people who believe or claim to believe in Jesus to be Christian, but in no way do their lives actually represent a life that is following the teachings of Jesus? Now, the early church, by all accounts, and when you study this, they would not even make a distinguishing difference between the two things. To, to say there are Christians and then there are those that aren't following Jesus, but are, like, they would just scratch their head. They wouldn't even understand that concept, Right? Um, if you're a Christian, you follow the teachings of Jesus. None of us are perfect, but we adhere to what he tells us to do. And I've had people over the years say things to me like, well, pastor, I believe, I just don't practice. Have you ever heard that before? Damn. I believe, hopefully you're not the one that said that. Um, <laughs> I believe, but I just don't practice and we're just going to kind of bypass some of the theological debate around you know saved or not saved if that's really where they're at 
You know, those are hard ones. But I would just say this, by the definition of a disciple, that person is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because a disciple not only believes, but a disciple also follows and practices. Not just when it's convenient, but no matter what it costs. (laughs) Right? No matter what it costs. Guys, listen, following Jesus when it's convenient alone isn't even on the map or the radar of what I'm talking about today. It's not even in the same playing field, okay? Following Jesus will cost us something. We know that. But a disciple of Jesus has made an inner decision, right? They've made this internal decision that says, "Is for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And when Jesus says it, when the Word says it, then we, we change or adapt our life, our lifestyle, our beliefs, our thoughts, and everything. We bend all of that to conform or align with the plumb line of the truth of God's word right here. This part is unchangeable. It's the plumb line. It's, it's the only thing we have. It's the ultimate source of truth. And a Christian that follows Jesus believes that this word is authoritative. Meaning it not only is something we can speak with authority into our situation, but listen, it also is authoritative in the way it speaks into our lives and governs our decisions and our actions. When we read something in the Word that conflicts with what we believe or how we live, we we don't start looking for ways to justify the way we're living. We start looking for ways for Jesus to change us so that we can be more like His Word tells us to be. Because we believe if we do, we'll actually experience freedom and joy and happiness to the fullest degree. And so uh, there are things in my life and probably in your life that we can kind of set on auto. I don't know if you have auto updates on the apps of your phone. They just kind of automatically update, you know, and refresh on your computer. You've got software and malware, all these things. Sometimes you log in or turn on your computer right down and just, it's updating. I'm not even consciously aware of what's going on. It's just set to automatically happen So I don't have to think about it. But church, I'm here to tell you today that your spiritual growth cannot, can never be set on autopilot, set it and forget it. It's something we have to embrace, take seriously and pursue and go after. The title of the message today, part four, is Discipleship is Supernatural. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are asking for revelation today from your word revelation that would sift us god truth that would sift us we declare that your word is truth it's the only source of truth and man is a liar your word is truth and we're asking for your word to come forth today penetrate our hearts open up our eyes and ears to improve us to add to us to strengthen us we come against any spirit of distraction We come against any spirit of division or strife. I come against any spirit of religion or deception that has bound people up with bad doctrine or bad teaching that would conflict from the truth of your word. And we declare today, God, that freedom 
is available in this place by your spirit. And so we say today, Holy Spirit, take the room. Take the room and do whatever it is that you want to do. We're here for you and you alone. We are not here for man. We're here to hear from you, our living God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we said what the definition of a disciple is with a noun. The verb form of the word actually means to, prog- to progressively learn the word of God and to become a matured, growing disciple. Notice the word matured. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual growth. This is a process. When I say discipleship is supernatural. You know, there are parts that we have to play. There are things we have to do. But there is an element of this, of growth, that only God can do. There is a part of this that's a supernatural work that the Holy Spirit actually does in us. Jesus said to Peter, Matthew 16, he said, Peter, you've got the revelation of who I am, and on this rock, I will build my church, right? So here's the thing to take away from that. Jesus assumes complete responsibility for the growth part of his church and his people. When you study the word build or to grow, it means to advance or uh, expand, to establish, erect something. So we see growth is Jesus' part by way of multiplication. Look, I've made the mistake plenty of times over the years since planting the church of thinking or slipping into this place where I think growing the church is up to me. Well, if I just preach better, if I just study more, if I just lead better, if I just work harder, if I just do more, right? I admit I've been there more times than I care to tell you. I think any senior pastor has wrestled with this at some point. But Jesus continues to come back around and remind me You're taking a weight on yourself that I never asked you to carry. And if you try to carry that, it's going to crush you. I already told you, I'll build my church. (laughs) You listen, you discern, and you obey what I tell you to do. Leave the building up to me. He grows the church by way of multiplication. But listen to me, Jesus also grows the church by way of spiritual maturation. You see, the growth that happens on the inside of every one of us, while there are things that we have to take responsibility for, the growth process that's happening inside of us to grow, to become spiritually mature means to to advance in spiritual stature or faith stature. It's like I can feel my faith muscle growing. I can feel my faith getting stronger. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We go through this process. That work inside of us, the growth part, is a work that the Holy Spirit alone is doing on the inside of us. I I wanted to say that today because I want to possibly take a little bit of the pressure or edge off of some people that you might be laboring for some part of this that only God can actually do for you. We've said this year, 2022, is going to be our greatest year of growth. And I believe we're seeing that on every level, not just numerically, because we are, 
But we said that wasn't our first intention. Our intention was to invite and challenge a body of people to make a commitment that this would be your greatest year of growth that you've ever had. That you'd get closer to God than you've ever been. That you'd hear His voice more. That you'd know Him more. That you'd follow Him more closely. And lots of people have stepped into that challenge and are walking that out and seeing fruit. And it's really, really exciting. But the thing is, guys, is that would you agree with me? Every one of us have to make a decision for ourselves that we're going to pursue that. Right? I can't make that decision for you. You can't make that decision for your neighbor. Now, we're responsible for creating an environment that's healthy so that things can be cultivated. I do, I do think I'm accountable for that before the Lord, to create a healthy environment. But at the end of the day, each person is responsible, agreed for their own decision to experience spiritual growth. Healthy things grow. So if we have a healthy environment and the desire is in you, and you want to grow, guess what? You are going to experience spiritual growth. The Lord is going to raise you up strong to become all He's created you to be. And so I'm going to go through a couple of points today about spiritual growth, discipleship, following God, and growing in our spiritual maturity and how that's supernatural. Point number one, God brings the growth. God brings the growth. I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7. And Paul says this, I planted the church, Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. There you go. We have a part. We plant, we water. You saw that, right? We plant, we water. But folks, if you take nothing away besides this today, please take this away. Only God brings the increase. (laughs) And praise God, He wants to grow us up strong into healthy, mature believers who are not walking around, as the Bible says, on milk for the rest of our lives. Now, let me read that to you, actually. This is in 1 Corinthians 3, also, uh, verse 1. He says, Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you're still dominated by the mindsets of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food or more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty strong sermon right there, isn't it? He's just letting them know. He says, I can't even give you solid food. I can't even really teach you some of the deeper things of God because you're still in a place of spiritual infancy or spiritual immaturity. So think about it. Even as like a physical person is born into this earth, they come in to the world and, and we would say they're infant. And then if they grow and they get stronger and they advance the way they're created to, then they become an adolescent. And then they move on to those 
teenage years, which we all love so very much, right? And then they go on to adulthood. This is the natural progression by God's design. Spiritual maturity is meant to be a similar thing, a similar walk. When we're born again, we would say, yeah, there's a spiritual infancy there. Now, the Lord can quicken people and grow them up fast. I get that. I've seen it happen. But they still move from spiritual infancy to spiritual adolescence and then on into spiritual adulthood or maturity. And the point is, is that we want to contend for that progression so that people are growing in a healthy way. And if we do, we know that the Lord will continue to raise us up and do a work that's strong. I know that whenever my kids, obviously they're all growing up, if you have kids you see this as well, what we do is we try to create a healthy environment for them to grow. We remove things that are unhealthy, we put healthy foods and healthy things in front of them and activities, don't we? And we try to do all these things that are our part. But at the end of the day, and we watch them grow, you know, they come over to the door frame and we use the knife and see how they're growing inches every few months and it blows you away. But think about it. The growth part is part of God's miraculous design for human beings. Like he's the one that's actually growing them by the way he created their bodies. We watch that and we marvel and we fascinate. We did a part, God called us to do a part, but at the end of the day, he brought the increase. And the way he grows us in our our spirit man, our inner man, to a place of maturity is very, very similar. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. He says, I pray that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I love it. I pray that your spirit gets strong. I pray that you don't stay in a place of spiritual infancy for the rest of your life. If you remember, if you were here whatever, weeks ago, we did the Casting Out Demons sermon. And I made a statement that I wanted you to think about. This might challenge you, but think about this. A believer can live in bondage. If you remember that, right? They can be oppressed by demonic spirits and live in bondage and have their freedom marginalized because of that. So i just make another statement today that I also want you to think about and ponder. A believer can live in spiritual infancy all of their life. They can. And never really grow strong. That's not obviously our desire, right? We want to grow up strong and mature in the deep things of God and for our faith to really advance the work of God on this earth and to push push back the forces of hell. In Ephesians, he says that the, the, the leadership in the church, those who are in the church, are to equip the saints for the works of ministry, listen, so that, we're not, so that people are not walking around like little children tossed around to and fro by every kind of doctrine. This means if you're, we want people to grow spiritually mature, 
so that every fading philosophy, every new trend, every fresh thing that pops up in the knowledge of man in our world gets people all riled up and then they're just sort of like blowing around in the wind all of the time. Somebody who's spiritually mature, who has a strong faith and a strong inner man can look around and discern and see these are fading things of the times of the world. I'm anchored in the truth that will endure throughout all of the ages and generations in the word of God. I will not be tossed around like a wave in the sea from every flighty doctrine that passes by in every generation. So point number one was that God brings the growth. Point number two, growth requires submission. Growth requires submission. I was taught this throughout my training in I remember thinking a lot about it and then observing it play out, and I've, I've come to realize it's absolutely true, that people have to want to be free. I, I think there are many times I could say, maybe you could say, I want it more for people than they seem to want it for themselves. Have you ever felt like that before? People have to want to be free. If people want to be delivered from demonic spirits, they have to want to be free. If people want inner healing from soul wounds of their past, they have to be willing to break those things open and seek that healing, right? We can't force that on them. If people want to walk in the supernatural gifts of the spirit that God gives to them, they have to want them and desire them. They don't just hit them over the head and overcome their will and they have no part and God just does them anyway. They have to want those things. If people want to stay free, walk free, and grow in their spiritual maturity, they have to desire that and want that and pursue that. And in order to do so, we have to submit and lay down our thoughts, desires, and wants to the supremacy and the authority of God's word. We have to, it says it this way in Luke, Jesus says that you have to forsake all if you want to be my disciple. That's strong. Forsake all. What he means is there is never anything that can be elevated above what my word says and how it tells you to live your life. And many times people think they've embraced the teachings of Jesus and the word of God, but when it comes time to change the way they're handling their relationships or their finances or something like that, that's when we, the rubber really meets the road, isn't it? Okay, now it's time to decide if I'm really going to let God's word govern and rule my life. It's, it's a submission. We have to forsake all, meaning there's never anything that's going to be elevated above the truth of the word of God in our lives. But what I love is when Jesus went to the 12 and he chose them, think about this, he picked a bunch of imperfect people with all kinds of mess. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? Thank God, or I'd have never made the cut. (laughs) He chose a bunch of imperfect people with all kinds of mess. And you know what they did? They dropped their nets. 
They let go of the things that they were doing to buy into a new way of living that would now override everything they had previously known. That's all he asked them to do. He didn't ask them to be perfect. And you know what he didn't ask them to do? He didn't ask them to be all polished up and refined right away upon entry. See, here's what I found. If we desire to be a disciple, we desire to follow God and endure in our following, that he calls us out in our mess. He'll help us to clean up our mess. He'll help us to stay out of our mess. And then he'll use our mess to do something great in our future. But we have to be willing to submit, right? There's this, there's this lie that sometimes I think people have where they think, well, if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me, <laughs> right? Like, I got to do it. I got to have the willpower. I got to have the discipline. I got to have the strength. If you're failing, then you're just a weak person. Uh, let me just tell you what I remember reading in the Bible. It says, when I am weak, then I am strong, You see, it's in the acknowledgement, I think, that I can't do this on my own. (laughs) It's in the acknowledgement and the understanding that I need His grace to be a committed follower. I actually need His grace to sustain me in my walk so that I can continue to follow Him when things get difficult. But if we think that it's all about this personal you know, discipline and willpower, then I'm just telling you, you're setting yourself up for failure and probably eventually guilt and condemnation. Because when you can't make the mark and you fail, if that's the thought that if it's going to be, it's up to me, then the opposite sets in and we begin to feel guilt and shame like we've let God down and now we're not worthy. Let me tell you something. He can clean up any mess if you desire to have forgiveness and to repent and turn away from the things that got you in that mess. And then he can use it for good in our future. Amen? You see, God adds things to us, but in order for us to grow, part of like being submitted is allowing him to remove things out of us too. Have you ever found that? Like you decide you're going to follow Christ and you're excited and you're moving forward and then you realize, I still got some junk. It did, yeah, I mean, I, I still got to get some things worked out of me. I still got to get healed from some things and just continue to move to new levels. You know, growth, it's, 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 it's like this incremental, it just kind of fluctuates. There's times where it's very explosive, and there's times where it's just kind of gradual. It, it looks like that if you were to plot it on a growth curve, I think. There's just different seasons where things are happening. But it, it's so important if we're going to continue to grow and never plateau, then we have to let the Lord purge things out of us that are unhealthy. That's why the Bible says that it likens God to a refiner of silver and that we are like the silver that he holds in the fire of trials and testing, things that are difficult. But you know what it says happens when he holds the silver in the fire that the impurities, which are called dross, are actually sweat out and then they begin to be purged and then the silver is more pure. That's a picture of our growth process. So yes, we go after the things of God. We love it when he imparts and adds things to us. Praise God for that revelation. Praise God for that encouraging word. 
but we have to also have the balance of the tension of there are going to be times where i got to let God cut some things out of me and take some things out of my life. I have to balance those two. He adds and he takes away. And we have to be open and willing, amen, in order for both of those things to happen. last thing I just wanted to mention on growth and requiring submission is just this, the principle of spiritual covering. This is huge, and I just feel like I'd be wrong if I didn't teach this and preach this, and I know pastors sometimes are nervous to say this to their congregation, but I believe it with all my heart. I believe it's truth in Scripture, and so i got to tell you this, that there is a need for all of us to be submitted to spiritual authority and spiritual leaders in our lives, that submission to healthy leadership and spiritual covering is actually a blessing and not a burden if we'll see it and understand it properly. It's actually when we are the most safe and we are in the most secure covering to be able to really grow strong. Before we planted the church, I was on staff at a church for about five or six years and involved in many different leadership and discipleship processes. And one of the things I saw a lot, Pastor Mike will probably agree with me, is I would see people who would be growing up strong. I would say they kind of move through that place of spiritual adolescence. Their, their gifts are starting to show there's some fruit and they get excited. And then all of a sudden they think that they know everything and then they come out from under the spiritual covering and leadership that's been over them and they think, well, now it's time for me to go out and do it on my own. I'm not saying God doesn't send people out. He does. I'm obviously here because I got sent out. But what I'm saying is, is when we don't still have a, a spiritual covering and some kind of authority over us, we actually step out into a danger zone, guys, because I've seen a lot of people who were growing and they were being very fruitful. They stepped out from under covering and they were no longer longer submitted they were their own person and then all of a sudden the fruit just died it was like all of a sudden holy cow like what happened i don't know you don't even hear from them anymore like all that fruit that was abounding that early fruit they step out from under covering and then there's no longer like this blanket there that's that's helping to guide and protect them you know part of the way god works is that he speaks to us through other people I'm so thankful that I have a great elder board that I come to that we look at counsel and guidance for. I'm so grateful that I have apostolic elders in oversight that call me and check on me and examine my life. And I'm submitted to that. You understand they couldn't do that if I wasn't submitted. I'm gladly submitted because I feel healthier and safer when I am. They'll call me up regularly. Matt, how's your marriage? How are your finances? How's your family doing? Uh, how's your marriage? It's great. Katie still is head over heels for me like she's always been, right? <laughs> Obviously, it's going really, really good. But let me just say this last thing. Jesus himself, Jesus, demonstrated the importance of being under authority. There's this moment where a centurion man came to Jesus. He had a, a servant that was sick, and he asked Jesus to heal his servant. He said, would, Jesus said, well, all right, I'll get my stuff, and we'll come. He says, no, 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 Jesus, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to come. You just say the word, and it'll be done. He said, and here's what he said. He said, because I understand that I myself am also a man under authority, 
So what he was saying is that there's a covering over me, but I've been empowered by that covering to carry things out. And so if I say something, I know it's going to happen. Here's what he said. And Jesus responded by like, I haven't even seen faith like this in Israel. This is amazing. That man understood that the Son of God was actually submitted to the Father. Because Jesus said, I don't do anything the Father doesn't tell me to do, and I don't say anything that the Father doesn't tell me to say. Wow. So he demonstrates what it looks like to be under submission so that we can also walk in a place that's healthy and good for us. But I'm spending a little bit of time on this today because what I see happening in culture is really concerning. I know that there are a lot of unhealthy leaders and we have to be wise and discerning who we submit ourselves to. Very important. However, there is this cultural movement that's happening that's like rejecting every form of authority no matter what. There is no authority except my own. It's sovereign self. If I think it's okay, then it's okay for me. Nobody can tell me what to do. And it's a rejection of all authority. And if we do that, we come out under healthy authority and leadership, then we actually expose ourselves and leave us, ourselves vulnerable because God will use others to show us things and speak things into our lives that we can't see ourselves. Don't everybody just applaud at one time on that. All right. All right. Number three, growth is a process. Growth is a process. You might be here today, and, and today might be the day you make the decision that you're going to start growing, that spiritual growth is a priority, that you want to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ, not spiritual adolescence for the rest of your life. That's amazing, and I think that's the place it begins. But growth is a process. We say it this way around here. We never stop growing. Philippians 3, verse 12. Paul says it like this. I have not already attained or am already perfected, but yet I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, let me say again, you are not your past, right? Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I'm never going to arrive in this life. I'm going to have to lean in, reach out to lay hold of this thing. Notice it's not a casual posture. Well, if it finds me, it finds me. He is leaning in like this, where he is relying on something to be there when he presses his weight up against it. There is an exertion. There is an aggressiveness by which he is pursuing growth in Jesus Christ. And then he says this in verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. So there you go. It's a, it's a characteristic of spiritually mature people. They understand I'm never going to get there. In fact, I don't know if you felt this way, but I know I felt this way. When I was younger, teenager, I thought I knew everything. I'm the only one, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought I knew everything. And nobody could tell me anything. And then I grew up, and then I realized, you know, and then in my 20s, I was like, late 20s, I was like, oh, I don't actually know as much as I thought I did. Okay. And then you get older, and you're like, I don't really know anything. 
I am so dependent on God and his wisdom uh, that I can't even make a decision without him speaking and breathing into my life. It's amazing how that transition happens. But disciples are made, not born. They're made. You know, the disciples went around and they said things to Jesus like this. Lord, increase our faith. There was another man that came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe but help me with my unbelief. Wait a minute. You believe. Help me with... He, he understood. I'm somewhere, but I'm not all the way there. There's still so much more to go. And notice who he's asking for the growth, right? We rely on the teacher, the one we follow for the grace and the strength to actually continue in the journey. And when we do, guys, we begin to develop through maturity... This thing that I would call, the Bible speaks of it this way too, as an enduring faith. An enduring faith. Which means it passes the tests. The trials. Longevity. It's not a faith that's flighty. And I've seen this a lot, where there are times where things are going tough in people's lives. And then they turn to this kind of momentary place of following God or plugging into church. And it's, it's, all, it's hard to tell right away because in the outside, it, it, it all looks and sounds right. But I can always tell by about 12 months down the road. Because you see, if their commitment to follow Jesus, listen to this, was really based on a godly kind of sorrow for where they got themselves into, or if it was really rooted in a worldly kind of sorrow. I'm just sorry that my life got flipped upside down. And then they start to follow Jesus because of the pain and disappointment instead of, I really genuinely am repentant and sorrowful because I see I'm not living in a way that honors, honors God. Does that make sense, the difference between the two? And all I can tell you is, is if we mature and grow, you, know, you don't have to like, worry. You just have to let the Lord examine your heart. If there's genuine desire to follow the Lord, then your faith will endure. It will pass the test of time and trial. And just like difficulty in this world, just like if we exercise and work out, the greater the load and resistance, the more our muscles get strengthened and stronger through trial and tribulation. Our faith will stand strong. It will endure and we'll come out on the other side of every single trial we go through stronger than we were before we went into it. I know this might mess with some of you, but, but do you know that God will actually allow you to come to places where he knows you're going to be attacked because he knows he's got your back and he's going to see you through the trial and you're actually going to come out stronger on the other side? Wow. That might suggest that he's more interested in doing a deeper work on the inside of me than he is taking away and removing all of my problems and challenges right there in the moment so I don't have to deal with them anymore. Hey, listen, I've come to the place where I realize, Randy, I don't always understand what God is doing, but I have faith and trust that he is doing something. 
and that's enough to get me through. If he doesn't explain it to me or show it to me or help me understand, because my mind probably couldn't handle it anyway, I've got to reach the point where I said, well, I, I'm, I'm okay knowing that God is with me, he's got me, and I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I know he's doing something. Amen? You see, the Lord gives us these, this growth process not to put pressure on us, but actually to take pressure off of us. I believe that there's probably people here today who are beating themselves up. I've, I've been in and I've been out. I've slipped in, I've slipped out. And it's just, you feel like if you're real honest with yourself, you're kind of like that way in that wave or in, tossed around in the wind. And, and there's, what the enemy would love to do is use that to beat you up, make you feel like a failure, and make you feel like you've already failed and, and now you can't go the rest of the distance. And I just want to encourage you today the Lord is never done with you. <laughs> and, and if you feel like you haven't perfectly walked this out, join the club and let the grace of God, not let the process of growth and being a committed follower of Jesus Christ put a burden and a pressure on you that's unhealthy, but let the grace of God actually take the pressure off and let you know my part is to seek, is to pursue, is to desire, is to obey, but at the end of the day, only God can bring the increase that is freeing, that is liberating, that says no matter where I am or what I've been through, that if my heart is right before the Lord, that he can get me out of my mess, clean up my mess, and use my mess for something great now in my future. Hallelujah. And then in closing, mature believers will make up a mature body. You say, what do you mean? Well, we want a strong, mature church, right? We want, a, we want a church where the river is wide, but it, it goes deep too, strong and mature. A church that is really effective in its community, in its region, in the sphere of influence that God has apportioned for it to have. It must be strong and mature to achieve that. But the thing is, a strong and mature church is only as strong and mature as the members that make up that body. Are you with me? I mean, you say, wow, that's a beautiful house. That's a solid house. That's a, that's a building of integrity. Well, if you broke it down, you'd find that all the members and pieces and, you know, the, the, the materials that went into that, are, they're not cheap quality either. They're all integrity and solid and strong. Well, those are good materials. Those are good studs. Those are good walls. That's good wire. That's, it's good, solid product in the whole building that's making it what it is. It doesn't look good on the outside, but all of a sudden it's breaking down on the inside. If we say as a church, the, the, the greater portion of us say, God's really getting a hold of me. He's really calling me to be strong and pursue growth. Then if we all grow strong together, then the church body at large becomes 
immensely effective and influential in our community, in our region, in our land. And dare I say, I think that's what God actually intends. We are His people. (laughs) We are meant to be salt and light, seasoning the earth, making a difference. This isn't a place where people just... You know, hear about it's a place where there's life and health, it's building and growing, but it's flowing out of the doors and windows into the community and bringing life into all the things that it touches. That only happens when our lives collectively are headed in the same direction together. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I've tried to, you know, kind of just stir up today if I could, just this desire to grow and mature, to not be content with spiritual adolescence or immaturity. To just say, like, wherever I am, I'm never going to stop growing. There's always more. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? I like this moment at the end of our service because we've, we've shared truth, we've shared the word, God's voice, His logos is being spoken out into the atmosphere and now it's time for the rhema word of God, that word in the moment, that quickening in your spirit. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me right now? Does He want to impart something new? Is there a new element or facet to your spiritual growth that needs to go deeper? Are you strong in your work life but weak in your marriage life? Are you strong at home but you struggle in finances or in vocation? Is there an area of your life that God wants to take you deeper in? always on this journey and there are times God's like dialing in to a different part of who we are he's always growing us everywhere but there are times where there are areas that need to really kind of be brought up is the Lord speaking to you about something right now or perhaps is the Lord saying I want to do some surgery I want to purge some things out I want to remove some unhealthy habits or behaviors, some unhealthy belief systems and thoughts. And this is the moment where we just submit it to the Lord. Because again, only He can bring the increase. Do you believe He wants to grow you strong? Do you believe He can grow you strong? If you have faith for that, you're submitting in this moment whatever it is God's telling you to do whatever he's highlighting I believe the Lord will do the work that he intends most likely it'll continue beyond this moment today but this could be a starting point Father in Jesus name I pray believing Lord that you love your people that you want us healthy whole and strong so that we can be free and be great representations for you. 
I, I pray for supernatural strengthening and growth right now as you impart and as you take away things in people's lives that you're showing them. I pray for a unification in our body right now that we are not all separated members individually, but we, we really are joined together in this collectively. Growing strong as a body, your people, together. I say and declare, God, we are your people. We thank you for that. 